Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. For three years, I had the opportunity to live in another country called Thailand. And so in those three years, I got an opportunity to see and feel what it's like to be a foreigner. And when you're a foreigner, the food, unfamiliar. Language, unfamiliar. The transportation, unfamiliar. Day-to-day life, unfamiliar. Pretty much everything that you can think of that you encounter on a day-to-day basis is unfamiliar when you are a foreigner. Being a foreigner in Thailand always made going to the movies really interesting because when I would go to the movies, I would laugh and I would laugh my my head off. The only problem is I would be the only person in the whole movie theater laughing. You see, when you're a foreigner, you laugh at all the wrong parts in the movie because it struck me funny, but it didn't strike any of the Thai people funny. And then the flip side was also true. When everyone else was laughing, I'm standing there Ask my friends, what, what, what was so funny? Did I, did I miss it? Why, why was that part funny? Why wasn't my part funny and why was this part funny? And, and as a foreigner, you, you, begin to, you begin to kind of roll with some things, but then other things you, you don't roll with. So, for example, going back to the, the movies, every single movie theater in Thailand, before every single movie played, there was a special song, it was the king song that would play, and everybody would, would stand up in honor of, of the king, and, and it would play this video about how awesome the king is, and all the cool things he's done for the people of Thailand, it was just very honoring, and so, you know, in that moment, as a foreigner, I, I joined in, and, and I stood up with them to, to honor their king, but then there were some things, as a foreigner, I chose not to jump in with. So, for example, there, in this town that I lived in, there was a, it was an ancient temple, and, and, and the, the Thai Buddhists are very geographical with their spirituality, meaning where there are certain places in certain areas of town, be it a temple, be it an ancient site, be it a, a place where something significant happened, and they would attach a lot of holiness or spirituality or power to that place. And so when, when I would be in a public transportation and we would pass by this ancient temple, the entire bus or so the entire truck or the entire uh, tuk-tuk or whatever it was that you were riding in, they would, they would all turn to this location and they would, they would why this location. This just means to uh, kind of bow and respect and to pay homage to, to that place. And, and, and that was something I, I didn't participate in. As a foreigner and as a foreigner that, that worships my God, our God, the, the one true God, I would say, I, I chose not to to, to dive into that, uh, that, that activity of the Thai people. What, what, is, what does this have to do with what we're talking about today? It's, it's actually really interesting because whether or not you've had that hands-on, uh, boots-on-the-ground, day-to-day experience as a foreigner, either in this country or in another country or not, if you're a Christian, you actually have more, more relation more, more correlation to being a foreigner than maybe you've ever realized before. And today I hope that as, as we go home and, and, and do what we do with, with, with our dads or whatever we like to do on a Sunday, that we begin thinking of ourselves more and more as foreigners in this land and, and trying to figure out what does that mean and what does that look like. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you for being a God of, of all people, of all tongues, all tribes, all nations. God, thank you for being a God of this valley, Lord. We, we pray that as, as today unfolds, may you be worshiped, may you be exalted on high because you deserve it and you are holy. So God, we, we pray for churches around this valley. We pray for a Love International 
Christ Church, Cross Church. God, we pray that they would be lifting you high and that we would do so here today. And Lord, that you would speak through your word. And may we, may we get something today maybe we've never got. Maybe we're reminded of something today that we need today to go and live it out, to be who you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, and all of us said... Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Mark. I get to hang out with you today. Uh, our, our lead pastor, Pastor Jeremiah, is taking several weeks off in June just to help him get recuperated and 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 just to just there's those times in the year that you just need a reset. You need some rest, and it's awesome that he can he can get that in this month of June. So here we are. We're kicking off, as Tony said. Uh, Jared kicked off a, a, our series last week. We're going through the book of First Peter. So if you want to read ahead, you can, or catch what you didn't get by either going on our YouTube channel and, and listening to that, or at least simply going back and reading the first part of uh, First Peter. And as Jared said, we got baptisms today. So if that's your next step, man, we we got you covered. We got towels. We got uh, we, we got shirts. We got change of clothes. Whatever you need, we want to help you take um, that next step. Because what's interesting is is getting in this. There's there's really water here. Eh, we weren't lying. Get, getting in that water and getting baptized, like Jared said, it's so symbolic of new life. And, and actually, it's cool because it's it's quite symbolic of us saying we're aliens. We're foreigners here. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And that statement of identity says, says a lot about where we're coming from, who we are now, and where we're going. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in First Peter. And it's just it's awesome how this all ties together. So let, let, let's talk real quickly. First Peter. Peter is is he's writing this letter to 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 these, these people that are persecuted. And, and, and it, what's interesting is at the very beginning of 1 Peter 1, he, he labels them. He, he tells them who they are. He says, you are elect and you're exiles. You're elect and you're exiles. Elect simply means you're, you're, you're set apart because you believe in Jesus. Jesus has made you new. You've answered that call to believe in Jesus, follow Jesus. So you are elect. You are God's people. You're going in God's direction. And then you're exiles, meaning most of the people around you are not doing that. Most of the people around you are not elect. The reason why you're exiles is you're, you know, that little, that little fish swimming upstream and everyone else is going the other way and it feels weird. And sometimes you second guess yourself and it's like, is this, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is, is there really good stuff on the, other, on the other side? Should I just let it all go and just float backwards like everyone else? I hope that in our journey of 1 Peter, you say it is worth it to go that way. It, God does have something for us on the other end. There's a place called heaven, and in addition to heaven, there's amazing places along the way on this side of heaven that makes this life worth it. But we are elect, and we are exiles. And, and, and imagine these, these guys. These guys, they're, this, this audience, we always gotta, we got to put ourselves in their, in their shoes. Who were they? What were they going through? They're losing their jobs. They're, 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 they're losing their homes. Some of them are losing their lives. They're losing family members. They have, they've been kicked out of their houses. Why? Because they're elect and they're exiles because they're following this new way. And it's, it's different. It's weird. It's radical. It's extreme. They're going against the flow. And then some. In, in, in fact... In fact, so, so, so many of them are, are, are wondering, is, 
is this worth it? Are are we doing the right thing? And here, with all the passion, with all the fervor, with all his experience with Jesus, Peter's just, he's just pinning this letter out. He's got to get to these guys. They've got to know what's worth it. They've got to know that that, that, that perseverance is necessary, but it's all gonna be good in the end. You know, why, why, are they, why are they experiencing this persecution? Well, because they, they flipped all the tables in their life. They, they flipped what they do on the weekend. They flipped their identity. They flipped their citizenship. They, they, they flipped their values. They flipped their belief. They, they flipped what they bow down to. No longer Caesar is what they bow down to, but they're bowing down to this unseen, invisible God, and it, and it just doesn't make sense to anybody around them. But, but in the end, it's the truth, and it's the way, and it's the only way to eternal life. You know, today, 2,000 years later, we as Christians are much like this original audience. We are elect and we're exiles. I don't know if you noticed, but most of the people around you are not going in the same direction. Most of the people around you are not doing the same thing. They're not going with the word of God. They're going against the word of God. And what do we do in those moments? Well, that's exactly why we're here in 1 Peter. So we're going we're gonna to kind of drive through three paragraphs of chapter 1. We're going to take a couple, you know, scenic routes. We might get out a little bit and look at a scenic view, take some pictures, if you know what I mean. And then we're going we're gonna to pick one big idea uh, of this passage. And this big idea, it says this, holiness is not something to achieve, it's something to live. Holiness is not something to achieve, it's something to live. That's kind of the big idea of this, this passage. And there's so much here that we could spend week upon week on, but for the sake of time, and, 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 and each week as we unpack a little bit more of 1 Peter, we're, we're trying to move through this in, in a way that, that helps us all get a better understanding. So today's big idea is holiness is not something to achieve, it's something to live. And with that, let's go ahead and open it up. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. You've got your Bibles, or you could scan that code in front of you to check out a Bible there, or get on your phone. Let's look at this together. Therefore, he starts off, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And if you're anything like me, I get to that point and I close my Bible and I'm saying, I'm done. I give up. I'm out. I'm just going to float downstream with all the other fish. This is impossible, God. Be holy as I am holy. And so this is the idea that I want us to unpack. I want us to talk about some, some dangerous mis- misunderstandings of holiness, some observations of holiness. But, but, but let's, get, let's get back toward the top of the paragraph before we get more into the holiness. First, our, our minds need to be alert and sober, meaning de- free of distraction, detached from any distraction. See, Satan, Satan's got us when he has us do a couple simple things. One of those things you might have heard is for Satan, a good Christian is a busy Christian. We're too busy to even be Christians because we're, we're busy doing Christian things and then we don't love and we don't forgive and we don't, we don't, we don't spend time with Jesus because we're too busy for that. We're too busy being Christians. So if Satan gets us busy, he's got us. Another, another way that Satan's got us is when we're distracted. When we're so distracted with, 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 with so many different things, we, we, we don't 
have the focus on what our focus needs to be. We've given up control of our mind. We've, we've, we've given up our, 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 our alertness is all in the, in the wrong place. I mean, you think about the Think about the day-to-day distractions that we have, you know, the ads, the, the media, the messages, the commercials. What do, we, what do we need our minds focus on? I mean, it has it right here. Have our, have our hope set on grace. Remember, First Peter, for Peter, right into this, this group of exiles, the elect, they're going through tough time, persecuted time. And, and, and if they're not careful, they're going to have their focus on, on these hard times. They're going to have their focus on, on other people who don't get persecuted. Well, I want to be more like them. And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't get distracted. Have your hope set on grace from Jesus, not set on the world, not set on comfort, not set on the majority, set on grace. Imagine how different our lives would be if it was, we wake up in the morning, grace, midday at lunch, grace. We go to bed at night, grace, and it's, it's what our focus is. It's what we're talking about. It's what we're thinking about. It, it's, it's where our minds are set. It would change our outlook. It would change how we live in this life, and it would help us be the elect exiles God is calling us to be. You know, so the question, simple questions for us is like, well, what's on our minds? What are our hearts set on? What do we think about? What do we plan for? Where do we spend our time and our money what, 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 if, what if before we do any of that, we have our hearts and our hope set on grace and we see how life follows after that? You see, an observation we can make from this, this segment of passage is grace is the position from which we live holy. Grace is the position from which we live, live holy. We, we can never be holy outside of grace. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It, it, it's impossible. Religion has failed uh, for, for thousands of years. It's continuing to fail right now as people are practicing it as we speak all around the world, trying to be holy on their own without grace. They will fail every single time, and they will fail till Jesus comes back. So we're not going to try to be holy on our own because it's not something to be achieved. It's something to live out, we are going to, from a position of grace, be holy. Because grace is something amazing we could never earn, we, we could never buy, we could never work for. And, and as soon as we get in a position of grace with our hearts set on this grace, that, that is something that we receive now and it's something we receive in heaven, it, it, it changes our position, it changes our, our direction, it changes our mindset It talks about being obedient children. You know, there's two kinds of children. There's children of desire that Peter talks about, and then there's children of obedience. What are children of desire? Well, children of desire, they do what they want, when they want, how they want, where they want, right? Sounds like babies, children, and kind of all of us to a certain extent in this room. We, we, we can be so often led by our desires, but children of obedience, what, what the, Children of obedience do what the Heavenly Father asks us to do. Children of obedience live out their salvation, live out their identity in Christ. Children of obedience live out their holiness because they've been saved by grace. And then here comes in this passage, here comes this this bold statement that Peter says. Quoting from the Old Testament, he says, just as God is holy, be holy. I think holiness can make us a little uncomfortable. 
that, that, you know, attaching it to God, yes, all the time. You know, put it in the worship songs, we'll pray it, God, you are holy. But then as soon as holiness starts to come pointing at us, it's, I don't know, what does that mean? What does that look like? I don't really like how I feel right now. Me being holy? Me being expected to be holy? Before we, before we kind of continue to unpack this idea of holiness, let, 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 me, let me draw out six notes or six observations of, of kind of what, what is holy. First, God is supremely holy. First and foremost, God is supremely holy. He, he is, he's from Genesis to Revelation, from, from beginning of time, God is supremely holy. And number two, things that have a special connection with God are holy. So things that, that God has connection with, things that God has touched, things that God has ordained, he, he deems those things holy. The, the Jews were a holy nation. They were called from the very beginning. They are God's holy people. And fourth, Jesus is holy all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Gospels in particular, Jesus is called holy oftentimes by the demons themselves. They would cry out to the Holy One as they, as they, re, as they referred to Jesus. And, and the church is called now the holy people of God. As we get into the New Testament and, and this, this promise, this grace, this mercy, this plan of salvation opens up not just for the Jews, but it opens up to Jews and Gentiles, meaning non-Jews and, and, and Jews alike. And, and God calls you, the church, his holy people. And then, as personal as it can get, God calls each one of our individual bodies as holy because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He calls our bodies holy because of who's in there, the Holy Spirit. So this holiness, it's, it's there. We can't run from it. We, we, we can't hide from it. We can't, we can't just skip over it. It's all over Scripture. And, and, and God is calling many different things holy, starting with himself and then coming all the way down to us. So Peter's saying, be holy as God is holy isn't maybe as crazy as we might think. It, it's just a matter of our mindset catching up to the truth in God's word. Holiness isn't something to achieve. It's, it's something to live. Let's continue on in this passage. Verse 17 to 21. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. Something I want us to, to catch from this this paragraph is holiness comes from the power and price of redemption. Holiness comes from the power and price of redemption. See, the, the power of redemption is, is the cross. It's the resurrection. See, the, the idea of being redeemed is mean you, you, have, been, you have been bought back. So this, this, the, the blood of Jesus is, is what has, and, and his death and his resurrection is what has enabled God to buy us back because of what sin did to separate our relationship with God. The price of redemption was total. God gave all that he had, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This price was paid perfectly with eternally valued currency, 
the blood of the perfect lamb, Jesus. The only way we could be purchased. The only way that we could be redeemed. And see, there's not a... There's not any way that something from this temporary world could have done that same thing because the value of things in this temporary world, it changes all the time. When I was a kid, I spent probably 90% of my allowance on baseball cards. And, and I thought, you know, I'm, 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 I'm setting my retirement here. You know, I, I, got these, I got these baseball cards and this little magazine says each one of them is worth X amount of dollars. And every baseball card I got, I'm, I'm making my collection. I'm filling in my boxes and checking off my list. And I got all the cards that I want, all the cards that I need. Life's going to be great. And, and I remember just a few years ago, I took some of my, you know, cream of the top of the lid, the best of the best. I mean, all my best cards, got them in a stack. They're all in their nice cases and, you know, mint condition. These things are fantastic pieces of cardboard and ink, mind you. And, and I, I, I don't know what it was, but I thought I needed some money for something. I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a sure thing. I've got money in my hand right here. These are my baseball cards. Took them to a baseball card shop. You know, I had, I had this stack of cased-up cards in a, in a rubber band, you know, so they wouldn't slip out of my hands. I hand them over to the guy at the baseball card shop. He didn't even take the rubber band off. He just looked at the first card and the last card, and he said, hey, there's nothing here that's valuable to me. Crushed my world, first of all, and, and, and I quickly realized these things that used to have value had none now. They were good for starting a campfire, maybe. These, these baseball cards that I, I put so much into, and so, so I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was going to be set for life. I mean, not quite, but I at least thought I could trade them in and, like, take my wife out to dinner. No, not even close. Why do I bring that up is because there's so many things in this world that we pour into, that we invest in. We, we, we think they're going to, they're, they're, it's going to spring up out of the ground and, and, and this tree is just going to grow money that we're going to pluck from and, and there's our retirement or there's our kid's college fund. And, and it, it, I speak jokingly, but the truth is we do this. We, we think these Things of this temporary world are going to have eternal value, and it never happens, and it never will. The fact is, you have been made holy. You have been redeemed because of something of eternal value paid the price for your soul. And maybe for some of us today, we needed to hear that we have eternal value because something of eternal value loved us to the point of giving up their life for us. And sometimes I think in, in, in Peter's audience, that's what they needed to hear and say, man, I needed that to keep going because my family just kicked me out because I believe in this invisible God guy. Or, or I, I, just, I just lost my job. Or my cousin just lost his life because he believes in Jesus. And, and they need to be reminded, you have been redeemed by something that's eternal. This isn't going to go away. This isn't the flavor of the month. This isn't going to wear off or expire or fade or spoil. This is something that's going to last. And it's going to have value in this life and value in the next life. 
When your faith and hope are in God, your faith and hope is secure. It's everlasting. Peter finishes this section up, verses 22 to 25. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Again, he's, he's contrasting temporary versus eternal, things that last, things that don't. He says, through the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. You see, again, this idea of it is eternal. You can, you can hang your life on it. You can depend your life on it. You can endure pain from it. It's okay because it's not going away. It's here forever, and it will last, and it's on a very short eternal list. He says, now that you have, now that you've been purified, not not you've saved yourself, but you have simply been purified based on what you did, based on what you believe, based on obeying the truth of the gospel. Now that you are saved, he simply says, love. And don't love shallow, love deep. Don't love shallow, love deep. Love shallow, hey, how you doing? And you don't even turn around and make eye contact to listen to the person's answer. Love deeply is sitting with someone, living life with someone, loving them with sacrifice, loving them with time, loving them with money, loving them with things that you know don't really matter in the end because you're investing in eternal things and God's always gonna provide for you. Love deeply. We can only love deeply when we have a deep identity, we have a deep confidence in who we are. And this, this is something that Peter is emphasizing with, with these elect exiles. See, the, 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 these guys, they knew where they came from. They knew that they came from ignorance. They knew that they came from a place of sin. And they knew they came from a place they didn't want to go back to. All too often, sometimes as Christians, we, we could think, well, you know what, what I came from wasn't really that bad. And so then it makes your redemption not so awesome anymore. But when you've been forgiven much, and let me tell you, we've all been forgiven much. Amen? You know, it's, it's easy to think, well, you know, I don't, I don't have that testimony. I don't have that story that so-and-so has that you know, maybe involved uh, things that we consider like more serious sin. All sin is serious. <laughs> all rejection of God is serious. All, all of our rebellion against the God who loves us and created us is serious. Therefore, our redemption is serious and our story is serious and is, and is awesome. And there's a turn from, from following ourselves to following God where we got to know where am I from and, and why? Because it helps us have a deep sense of of our identity, and then from that deep sense of identity comes a confidence. From that confidence comes a place where we can love deeply. People who aren't confident, people don't know who they are, people who, are, who, who just kind of just flow along life, and, and, and every week, you know, they kind of change their identity, change who they are, change, you know, those people. Sometimes it's, we see it just in how people dress or talk, but really what's going on is something in the heart. It's hard for those people to love deeply because they don't know who they are. So how can they love others when they don't know who they are? And that, here Peter is, is, is constantly hitting this idea of, of identity. Here's where you're from. You came from a place of, of, of ignorance and sin. And, and then he brings up this idea of, of answering this question, who am I? And then he tells them, you're redeemed. You're reborn. You're holy. And you can see this, this 
confidence welling up in the hearts of these people that are beginning to see themselves in a way they haven't before. Why? Because they're getting, they're getting persecuted. And this is exactly what they need to know so they can keep going. Can't stop. Won't stop. Who am I? I'm, I'm redeemed. I'm reborn. I'm holy. Where am I going? I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm going home. I'm going to a place of eternal things because I'm telling you, few things are eternal. Few things are forever. Peter reminds his audience that the, that the glory that they see you know, other people experiencing, it's going to fade. How fast? Like a flower. Minutes. Days, weeks, it's going to be gone. It's going to be forgotten. It's, it's going to be walked on, burned, trodden over, disappeared. But how often do we look at the glory of the world, the glory of other people, and we think, man, I, I need more of that in my life. Oh, if I could just have that. Man, I wish God didn't tell me that I, I couldn't participate in that because the glory of that looks so great. And Peter's saying, no, don't be deceived. It's a flower. It might look good now, but I'm telling you, a time is coming where it's going to be wiped from the face of this earth. Invest in things that are eternal. Life is too short to invest in junk. Holiness is something to achieve. It isn't something to achieve. It's something to live. So what do we do? Well, it's as simple as this. Live holy because you're reborn and because you're redeemed. Live holy. How can we live holy? Remember we talked about living holy from a position of grace. That's the only way it's possible. We live holy because we're reborn and we're redeemed. You know, when we're with our friends and family that don't know Jesus... I, notice I say when, not if, because that's part of being exiles. If, if we don't have any friends or, or family, we won't spend any time with people who don't know Jesus, then we're not, we're not, we're not experiencing the privilege of, experience, uh, of being exiles. And, and I, think that, uh, I, th- I think that might be important for some of us to hear. The, the idea, the experience of being an exile is a privilege. It's an awesome experience that puts your life on a razor's edge where you are seeing things that, that, that God is not has, it doesn't have for you, but he puts you in a place for you to be different, to be a, the fish swimming upstream, to maybe be the only fish swimming upstream that any of your friends know. But if you don't put yourself in those situations, then they'll never see anything that's different. But isn't that the question? Are we different? When we're with our family, we're with our friends that don't know Jesus. Are we different? Do we look different, talk different, laugh different, or do we just blend in? Because who wants to be different? There's two pitfalls of this, this holy thing that, that, I, that I want to address before we, before we close. One is that we pit holiness against forgiveness. It's kind of like this one or the other. So, so for example, some, someone who wants to emphasize forgiveness, like, well, you know, I, I don't need to be holy because I'm forgiven. In other words, I don't have to be different. I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to live out this holiness. I, I, I don't have to pursue being holy like God and, and being set apart and, and, and being blameless and moving toward a life that looks like Jesus. I don't have to do that because I'm forgiven. 
And then you've got the other side, the, the, the coin. The other extreme can be, well, I don't have to be forgiven because I'm so holy. I, I don't even need forgiveness because, I mean, I, I was born holy. My childhood was holy. My presence is holy. My future is holy. And you're getting to the point where you say, well, I don't even need Jesus anymore because I'm so good. And oftentimes that's that religious person that said, well, I followed all the rules. I never went haywire as a youth. I always did the right things. I never missed church. The fact is, these two aren't pitted against each other. We, we are holy because we're forgiven. And we're forgiven so that we can be holy. So don't, don't, get, in, don't get in this extreme mindset that you need one or the other or join one of the groups that, that discounts the other. The truth is, we need holiness and forgiveness, and they play off each other, and we need both. Another, another pitfall or another extreme to avoid is this idea of, and I think this is where a lot of our discomfort with holiness comes, is that we equate holiness with being holier than thou. We equate holiness with being judgmental. And nobody wants to be judgmental. And so because of that, we say, well, I don't want to be holy because if I'm holy, I'm going to have that thing. I'm going to have that face. I'm going to have that scowl. I'm going to have that walk. And it's going to look holier than thou. And that's exactly who I don't want to be. We're so afraid, therefore, of being holy because we're afraid of being holier than thou. Jesus was holy, but he was never holier than thou. Jesus was radical. Jesus was extreme, but he wasn't an extremist. He wasn't that, he wasn't that guy on the street corner yelling at people, but he was radical. He, he wasn't that guy on, on Facebook shooting everyone, everyone down with scriptures that he had perfectly memorized because he's Jesus, but he's extreme. You see, Jesus loved radically but he also, he also lived out the truth. And he called people out. Go and sin no more. Go and leave your life of sin. And in fact, this week, just to kind of unpack this, because you know, we only have so much time, I want, I want us to read John 1 to 5. Put that on your list. It's a summer reading list. I know we're, most of us are on summer break, but let's just roll with it. Summer reading list, John 1 to 5. Take one chapter this week. Just you can start today, start tomorrow. Let's do five days this week. Read one chapter a day this week. And I think, I want, you to, I want you to think of who Jesus is. He's radical, he's extreme, he's holy, but he's loving, but he's all about the truth. What does that look like? Jesus embodied it. And I think John 1 to 5 does a good job of showing us some snapshots of how Jesus lived out his holiness without being a jerk. Because that, that's what we need to be. We need to be holy, but not be that guy, not be that gal. What does that look like? Look at Jesus, Jesus or John 1 to 5. We need to live out our holiness by being children of obedience, not children of desire. Don't follow your desires. Follow, follow God's plan for your life. We need to live out our holiness by loving. You see, love is a demonstration of holiness. When we love people, we're showing people what it looks like to be holy. We need to ask God for a hunger for his word because it's on a short list of eternal things. We need to do less things that are temporary and, and more things that are eternal. This is just some ideas. I'm not going to come give you a, here's a holy list of things, here's an unholy list of things. You take, take this to God as you read John 1 to 5. Let God speak to you what your life looks like by taking more steps toward being holy. Realizing it's not something for you to work for or to achieve, but it is something for you to live out. And I'm telling you, 
God will give you steps to take. For some of us today, we need to believe, maybe for the first time, that we have, you have been redeemed by God's blood, by Jesus' blood on the cross for you. And perhaps becoming set apart by taking a step of baptism. Holiness is something that you can live out because there is a God that loves you so much that he died on the cross for you and he bought you with something that's eternal and that's his son's blood. That's extreme and that's radical and that's the kind of life that God is calling us to live as elect exiles in this crazy world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being a God of hope, a God of love, a God of truth, a God of grace, a God of holiness. That's this big stuff, God, to be holy like you? Wow. It, it can seem daunting. It can, it can seem like a, a marathon when we've, when we've never run a 100-yard dash. And yet, God, what's awesome is that you've already run the marathon. And you're just asking us to walk it back with you, to take one step at a time. Because you never ask us to walk a path that you haven't already done, that you haven't already mastered, that you haven't already completed. Because the truth is, it is finished. What you did on the cross, your power of resurrection finished the mission and you're just calling us to this life, calling us to live victory out with you live out holiness that has some serious implications in our day to day life if we start asking ourselves before we do something before we watch something, before we say something Lord, is this the holy thing to do? God, that is radical and we, we're going to need your help. We're going to need your grace. We're going to need your forgiveness every single moment of the day. Because we're really good at not being holy. But you know that, Lord. So thank you for your payment on the cross that allowed us to experience something we should never have been able to experience. And Lord, as we live as elect exiles in this country, help us to follow you radically. Help us to love extremely. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.